I'll just let him say on. Say on. Woohoo! Welcome, Danny. <laughs> Should we on? It says power, so it's all good, huh? I guess. Everybody can hear all right? If not, I can scream. I mean, I have no problem screaming. I am so blessed to be with you today. The San Antonio Police Department and my 2,300 officers send their love and appreciation and salutations to you. Uh, we've got 19 agencies that we'll work with, everything from the local FBI, the Secret Service, Homeland Security, Bear County, uh, DPS, the constables, and many others. And God has opened a far range of uh, ministry to first responders. And uh, we walk through that door. Now we do so by faith. In other words, we trust only God. I take no compensation from any department. Uh, we don't seek any support. We don't have any ties to anybody who can hurt us. We just trust the Lord. Our faith is in the Lord. We'll preach honestly and truly to the word of God. And uh, so your church, this church uh, here at Cedar Creek means so much to me personally. And I've told every pastor that's been here and, uh, and I've enjoyed each one the most and I've enjoyed the, the next guy the best. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but this church has one of, was one of my first supporting churches. We don't do deputation. We don't go out and raise support or talk to church or try to sell ourselves. We just leave that to the Lord. And, and some churches have come and gone, and some churches do a one-time thing or whatever it is, and, and life changes. But this is the church that has been with me for the longest, right here, New Life uh, in Christ Church in Cedar Creek. Over Almost right at 30 years, uh, this church has been with us. Every pastor has felt led to continue to be with us. And whether that's $50 a month, $130 a month, or $600 a month, whatever it is, as unto the Lord, this church body has always supported what I do. And whether that's been traveling the world, I've been in 53 countries, I've been in 42 states, I've preached the gospel to over 2 million people. You have a part in that. Was there anybody here 30 years ago when I first was introduced? Anybody remember back 30 years ago? <laughs> uh, I, think Don, I think Don Hamilton was a pastor at that time. I met a lot of good folks through here. Uh, Gordon and Sadie Powell were here back at that time. And I could go through a list. But we've always stayed in contact. I think earlier this year, uh, the pastor asked me to do a video, uh, uh, online kind of video. We sent a little video. I think we sent the coins we at that time, and that was inner circle coins. And uh, and just wanted to express to you, even though we were in lockdown mode and kind of shut down as far as the churches, we wanted you to know people were praying for you, and we would count that you would be praying for people. And uh, somehow God still reigns. And I tell people, I don't care who's in office. I don't care what party's running what. I don't care what promise you made. I know on November 4th, God will still be on the throne. And so I'm still very, very confident. He's still in charge. Everything's still on track. And he's still got a plan for us. But we are thankful and appreciate so much the opportunity to offer to come up here. Now, the pastor has been so faithful in trying to get us up here. He's, he's called so many different weeks and say, hey, are you available this week? Well, not this week. We're gone. And this week, we're this. And I think it was only two weeks ago, we were actually sick. And now with the virus, now with the corona, for whatever reason, this year, uh, I've been sick twice, severely sick twice, which I never get sick, and it's not even corona. So I don't know what's going on, uh, but he has really, really tried to get us up here because uh, 
uh, to give us a chance to express our thanks and our appreciation to this church and to the body, to the witness in which you, all, you guys are, okay? And, uh, and we love your pastor. I, like I told you before, if I ever go back on the road where all I do is live on the road preaching and, and teaching, I just assume hire him to be my music guy and uh, be traveling with me. I'm sure Tammy might have something to say with that. The, the kids would probably say, go on and go, Dad, go on and go. But, uh, but uh, uh, I, love, I love his worship. I love his heart. I love this church. And the only regret I have is that we are so far in distance. Uh, because I'd love to drop in more often. I'd love to see you. I'd love to encourage you. I'd love to be a help to you. But always know this. We are praying for you. We have the highest respect for you, and we'll always have a debt of gratitude for you. Now, let me ask you this. How is everybody handling the stress of 2020? I mean, it is, you know, Lord knows, heaven knows there, there's a reason for people's stress. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If you're a human being, you suffer from anxiety. Does everybody understand that? You know, I told you before, my doctor degree majors in counseling, and I tell people, everybody suffers from depression. Everybody suffers from anxiety. Everybody suffers from stress. That's just part of the human nature. You can't escape it. Some of us handle it better than others. Uh, some would have deal with it in different ways. But the truth of the matter is if we're human, we are affected. When you stop being affected, that's when I begin to worry about you. Because it shows that something is not quite right. It kind of reminds me of that guy who said, I wouldn't be so paranoid if everybody wasn't out to get me. You know? <laughs> Well, there's a lot of truth to that, but I'm going to tell you, 2020 has tested us to the limit, and I believe in all of my heart, it ain't over yet. Okay, I want to make that very clear to you. Sometimes we think we're turning the corner, we're right there, it's about to get better, and it seems like the next thing hits us. We've experienced it maybe twice as bad as some, in the sense my daughter got hit two direct hits of hurricanes in Louisiana this year. She had five storms in Louisiana, two hit her directly. And she was already wiped out from a storm 15 years ago. But I tell her, hey, you live in Louisiana, you deserve it. Everybody knows that's Hurricane Alley. I mean, you're going to stay there, duh, you know, <laughs> suck it up, buttercup. I mean, you know, you dumb Cajuns, you know, <laughs> you moved out of Texas to go over there and put yourself in that mess. Don't be blaming God, you know. But you add that on top of it. You add our crazy elections on top of that. You add the uh, upheaval of uh, protests and riots. Uh, we see the onslaught of uh, uh, the police officers taking a beating from every side. And I appreciate when you let your officers know, you see them on the street, you see them at the store and say, appreciate you, praying for you, wish you the best. Because God has established a place for the police officer. There's three professions in which God gave the world. He says the world must have these three occupations. You must have a preacher. God has raised up preachers. You must. Society's got to have someone who will foretell the word of God. It's not something they want to do. It's something they have to do. Number two is God himself elected there to be leadership in our society. He doesn't want any society, any, any generation, any community running without leadership, whether we call them mayors, whether we call them kings, prime ministers, presidents, idiots, whatever. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> whatever they are, God himself has put in power leadership because it's not good. And listen to this, young people. It's never good when you don't have authority over you. It's 
never a good thing. That's not how God designed it. In the family, in the home, in the relationships, at school, in communities, we need to have a land of law and order. That keeps everybody healthy. God himself established leadership, and then God himself established the police department. God calls them in Romans, the 14th chapter, ministers of righteousness to execute judgment upon those that are evildoers. That's what God said. I tell my officers, I said, you guys know you're in the ministry? Yeah, they're all about passed out because these guys are far from the ministry, believe me. <laughs> Most of them are far from Jesus totally, you know, but, you know, ministry, they get a little freaky, you know. But, but the truth of them is God himself says you're ministers of righteousness to execute judgment upon those who would do evil. God always has somebody to hold us accountable. And so it's a God-ordained thing. But here we live in this 2020. We got riots going on. We got protests going on. The defunding of the police. We got hurricanes. We got forest fires. And then, of course, we got the virus. That's enough to make anybody anxious. That's enough to make everybody just a little bit stressed. But with that comes a cost. If we don't see it, we don't acknowledge it, we don't address it, we have to pay the dues. It has a great cost to not deal with anxiety, not to deal with stress. We can't get away from it. And let me tell you this, right now there's a sweep and a phenomenal sweep in the country of all kind of conspiracies. I'm not even going to talk about them, not even going to justify them, not even going to clarify them, not even going to endorse them. What I am saying is that there's multitudes of conspiracies. Everything from the election being robbed and the cheating this and the bad that, and we got the, the vaccine coming out and it's been manipulated and it's got the 666 in it and you'll take the mark of the beast and you'll be scarred for life. I don't even know how to address most of these issues. Most of the time, I don't even know if I want to. But here's one thing I will say. Your trust is in the Lord. Your trust is established and strengthened in the word of God. Learn the word. Be among believers. Go to church. Have worship. Invite those people shaky out there. Invite them to church. Come to hear some truth. Because your faith has got to be reestablished. It's got to be grounded. God has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is that a lie? That ain't a lie. He said, I don't care what the world throws at, what conspiracy comes, what happens. I will always be with you. Now, this is something I want you to understand. The very feelings we get caught up in is a lot like the same feelings the early church had, the early disciples, the early apostles. And I want to refer back to one of those. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew, the 24th chapter. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, we have a situation here where Jesus is in the tabernacle, in the temple. He's worshiping and praying, which is his custom. He sets the example that he himself, the son of God, wants to set the example that he finds it's needful to spend time with the father and pray and to read the father's word. I'm thinking it's probably a pretty good example for, for us to follow, right? If you're taking notes, let me give you these three things real quick as we get into the scriptures, okay? When you find yourself becoming anxious, one of three things will be happening. 
either you'll begin to have a lack of confidence in God. Number two, you could have the beginnings of a lack of confidence in who you are in God and what he's told you you can do and what you should accomplish. If you start doubting that, you get a little anxious, you get a little anxiety, you get a little stress. Or number three, you start to lose confidence in the direction of your future. Did you know they sell anxiety at theme parks? How many of y'all been to Six Flags? And when I, when, I, when I was a kid, I had Six Flags. You know, one of the things I had, we had the, the largest wooden roller coasters in the world, you know, the Rattler and stuff like that. And they would sell it. You got to understand, when they engineer these things, they sell it based upon anxiety. Because people respond good or bad towards anxiety. And so what they do, they put you on a roller coaster, you start going up that first big hill, and you feel your heart doing this. And then you get to the very top and you look over and it goes. And then you go down and then you get to the bottom and it's going. And then you get your eyes are so big and you're sweaty and you go, ah, your knuckles are wet, all white and everything. And then you get off the ride and you go. Ah, 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 that was cool. Let's do it again. <laughs> and they sell you on that. There's a high. There's a natural thing that you go through. But what happens is, is for some people, uh, they swear they'll never get on it again. They didn't like it. They didn't enjoy it. They didn't trust it. It didn't build their faith. It shook their faith. They ain't going back. They don't even want to see Six Flags. They don't even want to see the gate. They're going into Six Flags. I want you to put yourself in the disciples' feet because... They had those moments of anxiety, and they were at a crossroad. Do I go back? Do I go back in? Do I keep, belie- keep believing, keep following? Or do I say, that's enough? We pick up here in Matthew, the 24th chapter, verse 1, where it says, And Jesus went out, and he departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, this is, I want you to picture, you got to actually picture the scriptures, okay? Jesus is coming out of the temple, you know, maybe he's dropping his uh, shroud off his head. Uh, he's starting to walk there, and the disciples said, Lord, 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 wait, 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 wait. Whoa, whoa, don't go so fast. Notice this, te- notice this building. Notice these rocks. Notice this craftsmanship. Notice these skilled laborers. Notice the architecture of this thing. Lord, this, isn't this amazing as though Jesus would be surprised. And Jesus said unto them, see you not to these things. I'm going to put this, I'm using the King James Version. I'll put it in very common English, okay? Don't get caught up in this. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look, look at this magnificent place of worship. None like it in all the world. In Jerusalem, it is the greatest building in all Jerusalem. And Jesus doesn't mean to pop the bubble. He doesn't want to be the party pooper. But Jesus looks at him and says, don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in buildings. Don't get up caught in what color paint the walls are, what color the carpet is, or how comfortable the pew is. Don't get caught up in stuff, Jesus is telling his disciples. Verily I say unto you, and the word verily means surely. Take my, take my word on it. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be one here left, one stone left upon another, and they'll all be thrown down. And Jesus says, you're looking at this martyr bill? He said, hey, listen to me. It's all coming down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, not too far away, 
The disciples were disturbed. They came to him privately on their own, no, no big crowd. And they said, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Now, if you look at this, you're looking at really three questions. They didn't know it at the time. We know it now looking back. But they're saying, when, when's this going to happen? When's this temple going to come down? Well, we know it comes down by historical accounts, not even biblical accounts, by historical accounts. We know the temple of Jerusalem was torn down brick by brick. Mortar was knocked off. Rocks were thrown down in A.D. 70. You can look at the history. A.D. 70, the great temple of Jerusalem came down. Now, that's different from the question, when should be the sign of these things? When should be the, the sign of your coming? Now, the sign of the Lord's coming is going to be different than the sign of the end of the world. We know the Lord will come back, and he'll come back in a rapture church to call the church out, to call them to be with the Lord. He'll catch them away. We do know the world will go through seven years of tribulation. We do know the world will, will the Lord himself will descend upon the earth. He will reign upon the earth for a thousand years, right? We do understand the Bible tells us very clearly the order of events, and then we'll be the end of the world. It'll be destroyed. Be gone. So we know we at least got a thousand plus years right now, okay? <laughs> we do know that. But, but there's three different questions they're asking. Lord, when would be the sign? And Jesus said to them, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, this is what I told you about all the rumors and all the, uh, what was the word I used a while ago? Huh? Conspiracies. Thank you. My wife's not here to, to help me along. So she sends her love. She's, uh, she's been down, but uh, I've got to watch her with through her breast cancer and everything else. She is very highly acceptable to diseases, and i got to be careful, especially when I'm traveling. But, uh, but she's not with me, so thank you. So uh, conspiracies. Uh, a lot of people will throw information at you, and I'm not saying they're even being malicious. I believe they believe what they're sharing. But the Bible says, let no man, no person, no news media, no politician deceive you. That's what Jesus says. Don't let anybody deceive you. It could be your godfather. It could be your grandparents. It could be your great uncle. It could be your husband, your wife. If they go against the word of God, they're trying to deceive you, maliciously or not, intently or not. I'm not even going to question that. I'm just saying, let no man deceive you. Jesus says, for many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they shall deceive many. Now you would think that'd be an impossibility, <laughs> but we have learned it's not. Did you know we have so many cults and so many cults with leaders who claim to be the answer, to be the Christ, to be the Messiah today in America? We cannot count them any longer. Anybody know that? In the FBI, through uh, Homeland Security and researchers, we know we've got about 600,000 that we can name and, and classify and tell you where they're at. After that, we can't even tell you. There's so much that popping up everywhere. Wow. So the Lord is telling us way in advance before they knew all this. He's telling us way in advance, hey, be aware of this. This will happen as we get closer to those days. Closer to the days of the end time. Closer to the days of his coming. The closer to the days where the world will suffer tribulation. But we're not there yet. But listen to what he says here. Here's some of the signs of the times. Nation shall rise against nation. Have you seen that in your lifetime? Uh, do we see that now presently? Right? And kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines. Now, the word famine literally means to do without. And mostly we're talking about food. 
Now, famine can come by uh, droughts. It can come by floods. It can come by being destroyed like a hurricane, a fire. It just means that your supply has been taken out. We live pretty nice. We go to HEBs and we go to the local supermarkets and there's just shelves and we just got so much stuff until there's a crisis. Then you can't find toilet paper. I like that meme. I saw a meme this week and it had people gathering together and, they, and everybody had to bring toilet paper and they had about 7,000 rows of toilet paper and somebody says, did anybody bring any food? <laughs> yeah. There always seems to be plenty until there's not any, Right? Jesus says there will be famines. Do you know we have as many people dying of hunger today in the world than we've ever had in world history? Do you know we have more people undernourished in America than ever we've had in the founding of this country? And I don't think it's necessary. I think we have resources for them. But the truth of the matter is we have a lot of people to go to bed hungry. And a lot of children go to bed hungry. It's not of their fault. And Jesus says, know this, there shall be famines, the lack of food, a drought, whatever call it. Then he said there should be pestilence. Now I've got to be real honest. I'm going to be honest and transparent and vulnerable to you. I'm going to put my, my, my ego on the line here, and I'm going to tell you, I don't know everything. And some things I do know I'm wrong in. And I've made some silly, stupid mistakes going, duh. I do a lot of duh to me. I, I duh myself a lot, right? And I'm studying this word pestilence, and I'm going through pestilence, and I always knew pestilence to be, because we're talking about the famines, and we're talking about the droughts. I'm thinking of grasshoppers, and locusts, and mosquitoes, and carrying the Nyrus virus, and Zika virus, and uh, we're all going to die, you know, and, and I'm thinking of these bugs everywhere. And then I begin to look up this word pestilence. And it breaks it down, you know, from the Greek and, uh, you know, and then later on to some of the Latin forms. And then we go into the English form. Here's what we come up with today. If you do a Google search, just type in pestilence and see what the answer will be. Here's the answer they give you for pestilence. A fatal pandemic disease. <laughs> Mind blown. I'm looking at this, Lord, we've had a nation against nation and country against country, and we know there's wars and rumors of wars. Uh, we know uh, the Bible goes on and says there's earthquakes in diver places. Earthquakes are everywhere. They can't even measure the number of earthquakes that are happening every day. They only measure the big ones nowadays. you got to be like a 5.6 to start getting some attention. I was in Peru, and we had an earthquake. We're in a $3 motel. I'm on the 12th floor of this 12th floor place, and the doors won't even shut. The windows won't shut. This thing is swaying. I go down, I said, does anybody feel that earthquake? If not, I, my bedroom's possessed, man. We need to do an exorcism. Come in. My bed is shaking. And I said, man, the whole building is shaking. And they go, oh, that's nothing. Nothing? <laughs> the building is shaking. I grabbed my Tylenol, my bottle of water. I said, if I go down, I've got relief for two days, you know. <laughs> he said, you're going to see this more and more and more. Then when I saw this pestilence, this fatal Fatal means people dying. Pandemic disease. And here's what thought. Here's the, here's the thought that hit me. Have we always had wars? Have we always had nation rise against nation? Have we always had earthquakes? Have we always had famines? Have we always had pestilence? Ain't nobody going to argue that. But what needs to be argued, we ain't never seen them all come together at one time as often and as clear as it is today. 
And that's something we need to take notice of. But here's what I want you to understand. Look what Jesus says as he talks about these. These are the beginning of sorrows. These are like the beginning signs, the, the, the foretelling of what's coming. These are the things like a woman given, you know, when a woman has birth and she has those labor pains and the contractions get closer and closer and the more they get closer and the more harsh they are, and the more ready she is to pop that child out, you know. These are the signs. The baby's on the way. Well, the Lord says the, worth, the world is, is kind of in labor and it's getting closer and tighter and more in depth. These are the beginning of sorrows. Now, I want to make this fair to you. As Christians, we have never been promised not to have trials. We have never been promised in all the scripture. We have never been promised that we'd have no conflict, no struggle, that we wouldn't know loved ones that die. We, we, we have no promise in scriptures that we wouldn't walk through some of the harshest, ugliest, most testing trials of our lives. But we are promised that he will give us everything we need to get through. That's what he's promised. Someone once said this, a faith that hasn't been tested cannot be trusted. You might want to write that down. That's really good stuff. I wish I could claim it. It's not me, okay? But someone said, all I do is pass on what somebody else says. Faith that hasn't been tested cannot be trusted. I had a family, an officer, good supporters of our ministry, him and his family. He's adopted like five kids from Jamaica, uh, not Jamaica, Hades. Um, he's got a lovely family, loves the Lord. They serve the Lord. And they've gotten hit about three or four months, boom, boom, boom. You know, uh, losing our house, uh, the guy that they were renting from wants to sell it. Uh, the car broke down. Uh, one needs a tooth impacted. Uh, the other car got in a crash. I mean, just crisis after crisis after crisis. And he says, you know, Danny, I, I don't really know why I'm going through it. I said, I, I don't know either. I'm not God. I can't tell you. I can't explain it to you. But here's one thing I will tell you will come out of this thing. You're the genuine faith that you espouse, that you proclaim, cannot be seen until it's tested. Everybody has faith. Everybody would serve the Lord and be honorable and do the right things until they're tested. It's like my officers. I tell these young kids, my officers, they come to the academy and they go, but if that bad guy shoots at me, boy, I'll tell you what, I'll do this and I'll pop a cap in them, man, and I would, boy, I'll tell you, I'll put them straight. Everybody says that until they shoot at you. Somebody trying to take your life. Suddenly everything changes. You know, my average officer can't hit a can't hit a subject. <laughs> you know, I've had officers shoot at a guy six feet away and miss him. They always say, "Well, shoot the gun out of his hand. Shoot him in the knee." You know, no, no, just try to hit the guy. Your heart's going 100 miles an hour. You're all freaked out. You got the gun. Here. Boom, 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 boom. Now let me tell you, you can talk about how you would handle it. But you won't know until you have to handle it. I didn't know how Tina and I would handle breast cancer. I wasn't even sure how we'd handle it when we were walking through it. But the one thing I will tell you for a fact is I know how we handle it now. I know how we handled it. We trusted God. We depended on God. We gave our lives to God. 
Every crisis you face, you've got to come to that point in your life and say, how am I going to handle this? And I'm telling you, you can think how you would do it before it gets here, but you won't know until it gets here. But the one thing you'll be thankful for, you had a chance to show that. Anxiety has a partner, a fellow co-worker. i got to check my clock to see what time it is because I'll just keep going. Y'all got any place to go? Y'all homeless or what? Like, like, <laughs> you're not going to die. I'm so hungry, I'm dying. You ain't going to die. Hang on, you'll be all right. Anxiety has a companion called worry. Anxiety and worry, these companions, these joint brothers, they have one goal in mind, and that's to immobilize you. Fear always immobilizes. Faith always energizes. Have you ever heard about your adrenaline and you have what you call a cortisone hormone and all these things? Y'all are aware of that? And what we call a fight or flight situation? Something will come on you. You'll see a snake, and your first desire will lead to be run or to face it and deal with it. It's always that way. If you begin to think about your possibility of failure, fear sets in. Let me give an example. I had a cadet at the academy. They were doing training, and the cadet had to jump up on a, a telephone pole that was kind of about four feet off the ground, and the telephone pole was uh, horizontal. And the cadet had to jump up there and then reach over to the next one about three feet away and then jump up to the next one and flip over and go into a sand pit. And as I watched, I was out there watching. I was in all black uh, uh, warm-ups and, and sunglasses and dark hat. The cadets didn't know me. And as I walk up, I can see this cadet up on the top thing there, and she's got to jump to the next one, and she is just frozen. And, and I'm looking like, what in the world? And all her classmates are saying, come on, Ramirez, you can do it. Come on, Ramirez, get over this thing. Come on, Ramirez, we're here. We'll catch you. Come on, Ramirez. And the drill instructor, seeing that I'm watching, is getting embarrassed. So the drill instructor says, Ramirez, we don't have time for this. Go on and get down. Now, I don't know what took over. I mean, this is not a normal thing, but it just so happened. I said, Ramirez. She looked down. She goes, yes, sir. Don't you dare get down from there. You get down from there. I'm marching you in. You go work for Dairy Queen. You go work for Bill Miller. Whataburger's hiring. You're not going to be a police officer. I won't let you embarrass your unit. You will not embarrass this department. And I will, God forbid, you'll embarrass this city. You don't have what it takes to get over that thing in three seconds. We march you in and turn your stuff in right now today. Let me give you that count. A thousand one. A thousand. Before I could finish 1,002, she hit that thing. She jumped over it. She fell over into the sand. The class is all clapping. I said, Ramirez. She goes, yes, sir. I said, do you know who I am? And she said, no, sir, I do not. I said, I am your chaplain, and Jesus loves you. <laughs> she said, sir. I said, no, I don't have no authority. I'm just telling you I love you, man. It's like, Jesus loves you. Yeah. And I got the class together, and I said, hey, do you know why Ramirez had a hard time getting over that thing? And they got all kind of answers. Young people got all kind of answers. I said, no, she thought about it. See, when we're training officers, we're training you to go over that six-foot wall. Not if you can. We're training you going over that wall. We're training you. You're pulling the gun, and you're facing the gunfire, and you're walking towards the gunfire, and the guy's shooting at you. You're walking toward him. You're shooting. We don't train you like, well, what if he shoots me, and what if this, and where's, what if there's no cover, and what if nobody knows? We don't train you to second guess. We don't train you to set fear in because fear immobilizes. And if you hesitate for a second, you could be dead. 
But we need that kind of training in the churches today. We need that kind of training that says, listen, folks, we're trying to train you in the word of God that you know how to react in the midst of circumstances because if you let the enemy come in and cause doubt in your mind and cause you to start thinking about all the failures and what could happen and what might happen, you won't ever accomplish anything. There's always people in the church. There will always be people in the church who are the naysayers. But we've never done it that way before. But we never tried it. We tried it once and it failed. It didn't work. You'll always have that. Fear immobilizes. Faith energizes. Now, why am I hammering that? Why do I want to hammer that today? Why did I feel like God wanted me to bring that to my beloved friends here at Cedar Creek? It's because you need to have your faith assured in the midst of all the crisis and all the headaches and all the rumors and all the, what was that thing I said? conspiracies, all that stuff. In the midst of all of that stuff, you got to have your feet planted. My trust is in the Lord. I love how the pastor feels led to sing certain songs and I go, dude, this ties right to the message. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. My trust is in the Lord. Let me tell you, if the enemy gets you down, well, what if you don't have enough toilet paper? Ah! What if you don't have enough paper towels? Ah! Egg shortage, egg shortage. Oh, don't let there be an egg shortage. Give me a break. There are people who don't have, 80% of the people in the world don't have those choices on a daily basis. And we act like it's a crisis because we're so spoiled and we're so soft and we get shaken so easily. But that's not why I'm sharing it with you. Please understand this. I want you to strengthen your faith. I want you to be resolved. It's going to be okay. God's promise is going to be okay. He won't forsake you. Have your faith on Christ. They say, look, our guy lost the election. I said, not my guy. My guy is Jesus Christ. My guy is still on the throne. My trust ain't in any party and any politician or anybody else. I pray God uses them. I pray God blesses them. I pray God restores them. But the truth of the matter is, whatever happens, my trust is in the Lord. If not, your faith will be shattered and you'll sit at home and go, well, what's going to happen to my 401k? The same thing that happened two or three months ago and three years ago and 15 years ago. It's in the hands of the Lord. You've got to trust the Lord. Now, the reason I say that is because you live in a growing community. I mean, literally, there's neighborhoods going in all around you. Neighborhoods, schools. I mean, when I was here 30 years ago, you didn't even have the convenience store wasn't half open. Post office, post office station there probably was open two days a week or whatever. I mean, it was like they had a Pony Express coming through. I mean, okay, maybe not that bad, okay. But the point is, Cedar Creek has exploded with people. And you know what you got in those people? People without faith. People without hope. People who have no answer for their anxiety and their stress. They're hearing all the naysayers, and they're going, oh, the world's coming to an end, and oh, we're going to die. And they need somebody. They need somebody. They need somebody that walks up next to them and goes, hey, did you hear it's going to be okay? Huh? Yeah. I was at church. I was in the Word this morning. Hey, I read the devotional. I get this crazy devotional from this crazy chaplain down in San Antonio. And you know what I read? It's going to be Okay. Man, I feel good. Well, man, aren't you concerned about the vaccine? Might give you the mark of the beast and you might glow blue and you might. No, I'm not afraid at all. Jesus gave us one constant command. Does anybody know what it is? 
He gave us a lot of commands. I don't know if you noticed. A lot of commands Jesus gave us. Love one another and forgive one another. And I, I can just go on and on. But the one constant command he constantly said, and his disciples went on to repeat that a thousand times. Fear not. Fear not. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And when I go to prepare a place for you, I will come, to my, come back myself and receive you unto myself, right? His constant command for the Christian is that in the midst of all you see and all you hear, and for the, the real truth is a lot of us need to turn off the news. A lot of us need to stop reading the headlines. A lot of us not stop listening to political pundits. And their whole job, their whole sense of worth, their whole being exists by working you up. Stop it. Go back to what Jesus says, fear not. Well, that's just being naive. That's just putting your head in the sand and not caring. No, it's being obedient. And the reason is this, because does anybody know the results of fear and anxiety? Anybody know physical, the physical effects on a body? I did with an officer, 53 years old. He's been on the department about 25 years. He had to have a stress pacemaker put in this last week, and he's really kind of falling apart, and he feels like he's old and he's over and life is coming to an end. You know, I try to tell him the reason you got a pacemaker at 53 is because you lived a very stressful life, and you didn't deal with it very good, very, very well. And, and it's, it's costing you now. If you can't sleep at night, you have anxiety, you have... You have uh, insomnia and you can't sleep. I guarantee it has some unresolved issues in your life, whether it's anxiety, stress, or so forth. Maybe your sense of responsibility of all that you got on your plate. And pastors know that above everybody. Many, many nights I go without rest because I feel like such a tremendous responsibility is on me. That ain't of God. Let's don't, let's don't blame it on we're being so busy for God. No, no. Fear not. You know how many people today got ulcers and all kind of stomach issues, dietary issues, uh, 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 um, digestion issues caused by stress and anxiety? You know how many people break out in hives who have stress on their heart? I, I can just go, blood pressure's up. Let me give you an example. On any given day in America, any given day, 20 to 30 million people have been diagnosed I'm not talking about the ones not diagnosed. 20 to 30 million Americans, that's about 10% of the population, 30, uh, 30 million people have been diagnosed suffer from anxiety. Do you know what it is today, 2020, while we're going through this period of time? Over 100 million Americans have been diagnosed with an anxiety issue. That's one-third of Americans. That's one out of every three people. Look to the person on the left of you. Look to the person right of you. If it ain't them, it's you, okay? Here's the thing. <laughs> and if it ain't them, it's you. One out of three of you are suffering from issues of anxiety or stress or fear. That's immobilizing you. It's robbing you of joy and peace and hope. It's robbing you of energy to get done what God told you you need to do. Most of you have been had problems in your life where the enemy wants to come back and he wants to bring back your failures. You remember trying to give a book report and how you got to see you look like an idiot? You remember you tried to do that recital and you missed the notes and you forgot the words and you, you flunked out in front of everybody? You remember that time you went to catch the pass and you dropped a wide open pass from the end zone for a touchdown that could have won the game and you look like an idiot in front of all your friends? Because that's what the enemy does. He reminds you of your failures. 
God's always pointing to your success. When the enemy reminds you of your failures, you remind him of his future. The truth of the matter is this. Those things will immobilize you. They'll freeze you up. Let me ask you this. Do you think if there was anybody in the whole world that had a right to have anxiety, it would have been the Apostle Paul? Pastor, I'm just rambling. Y'all forgive me. Would y'all forgive me today? Because I'm just rambling. All right? would, this, would this back me if I walk up here? You know how it goes. Eee! I'm going to do it just to get you ready. Eee! Okay, you're all right. But it kind of prepare you for it. I hate when I do that. They'll say, you can't go there. I'm just rambling because I've got so much. I've got so much stuff for you. I really do. I always do. I prepare. I said, God, what do I, and I just prepare I, like a three-week sermon. And God said, just go until that's it. And I want you to know the world is in chaos right now. The community is in chaos. Your friends, a lot of your family members, some of y'all will see family during the holidays, are in tremendous fear, anxiety. They voice it. They tell you. I don't know what's going to happen to my baby. I don't know what's going to happen to my kids in college. I don't know what's going to happen to my husband overseas. I don't know what's going to happen with our 401K. Everybody's speaking about fear. You have to be resolved in the peace in your heart that you can minister to them. The world needs hope. Remember in the 60s, huh? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing that is just too little of. What the world, what the world needs today is hope. What the world needs today is peace. That comes through Jesus Christ and him alone. I can tell you a lot of things you need to do. You need to eat right. You need to sleep. You need to saturate your mind with good things like scripture, praise music. Praise music's on all the time in my life, all the time, all the time, coming and going in my car, at my home, in my office, praise, praise, praise. It's only to get through the crazy world is just saturate myself with the praise of the Lord. He inhabits the praise of his people, so I want to be where he's inhabiting, where he's living. I want to be there in the midst of his praise. I find peace. I feel comfort. I found shelter. And here's what I've come to understand. I hope they find a vaccine. I hope they pass a stimulus package that can help everybody get caught up. I'm hoping they find peace in the world and the cure for cancer. I'm hoping nobody goes to bed hungry tonight. But whatever happens, Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my first. He's my last. He's my alpha. He's my omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's my all in all. He's my everything. He's my only thing. He's the main thing. It's Jesus all the time. And you got to resolve that in your heart. Otherwise, you'll be like that cadet up on a crisis, up on a challenge, and you'll be going, what if I miss it? What if I slip? What if I fall? What if I break a leg? What if I look foolish? And you won't accomplish anything. I could just go on talking to you, but I want to finish up with this. 
How long ago was that, Pastor? I sent a little video, sent you some coins. Did everybody get their coin from the pastor? Because he might have put it on eBay. So y'all, y'all. If he's if, okay, so if he's telling you to go to eBay, eBay and order those, uh, uh, you don't do it, okay? And and I'm glad you got extra because I brought even more. Because here's the challenge for today. We've got to make a difference. Us going home and sitting in our little house and being comfortable and being quiet and just waiting for tomorrow is not making a difference. We got to get on the phone. You're 85 years old. You don't get out anymore. Pick up the phone. Call the grandkids. Call your friends. Call your old buddy from work. Now you got texting. I love texting. I'm a texter. I ain't a tweeter. I ain't a Facebooker. I ain't all those other things. I don't even know what they are. TikTok. Who saw the clock? I don't know what. They got all kind of stuff. Mouse ran up something. I don't know. But, uh, but I, I, can, I can text. I text numerous people before I even got here this morning who I knew needed the word of encouragement. A pastor that's going to preach a message. A guy that's going to go into surgery. A man that's just selling his birthday. An 85-year-old man that's been in the ministry 53 years old. Wondering if he has any work left in him. And I want to write to him, and I want to text him, and I'll say, Brother, if you have no other work for anybody else in the world, your worth is to me personally. I'm motivated today. I'm inspired by you. You're, you're, you exist maybe just for me. And he writes back. Literally, you can hear tears in his words saying, Thank you, brother. I needed to hear that today. It takes so little, so, so very little to encourage people. So little. But we're not doing it, and we got the answer. We're not afraid. We're comfortable in Christ. We know where we're going to go if we die. I get the coronavirus. What's the worst can happen? I could die. Man, that's a blessing. That ain't a bad thing. That's a good thing. I'm out of here. Whoop. Bye. I do worry about being laid up. I'm not taking it lightly, right? But here's the truth. There's people out there today are scared to death. There's people at work, kids, kids you go to school with. They are scared to death. So what I did... I brought even more coins. I brought even more because now I not only want you to keep one. You should all have one. You should have it in your purse. You should have it in your pocket, man. You should carry it with you. And every time you face a challenge, every time you face a, a trial, anytime you face something you've got to accomplish, anytime you have a moment of fear comes in, it could be about are we going to make the rent this month? It could be about whether I should try for that new uh, occupation, should I try for a new uh, job? Whatever it is, you should be able to pull out this coin and remind yourself, faith over fear. But here's why I brought extra today. And I told the pastor, and I thank you, because we talked about this months ago, being able to come up here and talk about this. But I brought extra day because each one of you should have one extra one in your pocket or in your purse. Because every one of you knows somebody that's going through a tremendous battle. Every one of you knows somebody that's going through a tremendous amount of fear right now, anxiety. They don't know if their baby's healthy. They don't know if their marriage is going to work. They don't know if they're going to pass that test or be able to get that book report. There's people all around us. Sometimes you can't read it in their face. Sometimes you talk to them and they're just great. There's a song out now. Have you heard the song? And it says, uh, I don't know the name of the song. It says, uh, it says, uh, the truth about truth that it's seldom told. You know, when people ask you, say, how you doing? I say, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. But I'm not. I'm broken. Right? 
You ask people, we get so cliche. Hey, how you doing? They go, fine. And you just walk off. Wouldn't it be better if we just stopped for a half a millisecond and asked him a second time, no, no. How are you, really? And you know what you'll find out? People will tear up. People say, well, I, I didn't want to say anything. And I don't want you to have to carry my problems, but I just got word that I've lost my job. Just been there for 30 years and lost my job. Who's going to hire an old guy with no, no other abilities? I, did, I just got word that my, my mom's got cancer and she's got six months to live. And we, we don't know what to do. And if you would just show a little bit of respect of somebody and say, no, how are you doing, man? It could be in the third grade. It could be in the sixth grade, eighth grade. Hey, man, I see that you're a little quiet. You're a little withdrawn. I know you're sitting by yourself. Is everything all right? Yeah, I'm okay. No, is everything all right? How are you feeling? Well, I feel like killing myself. I was getting a haircut this week because I was going to come up here to be presentable. <laughs> I'm one of those guys, I don't care. I can go like six months, I'm down to here, you know, I'm, I'm all over. And I go, okay, I got to be presentable, you know. My family at Cedar Creek expects better of me. And I'm witnessing to the girl cutting my hair, this young lady, she's cutting my hair, she's doing it, and we're talking, and she's asking me what I do for a living. I'm not sure you want to go there, but okay, here it is, all right? I represent Jesus, all right? And I started talking to her, and she said, yeah. She said, we can all make an impact. I appreciate what you do. She said, but I found worth even here in the haircutting salon, which was a super cuts, a sports clip. That's where they do the sports, the sports clip. She said, I had a guy come in yesterday and thanks, thanked me for saving his life. And I looked at him. I said, I'm confused. I don't understand. I've, I'm lost here. I saved your life. He said, yeah, a month ago I came in to get a haircut and I wanted to really get sharp and cleaned up because I was going to go home and hang myself. And I didn't want my family to worry about how I look or having to take care of my hair or anything, so I was going to be presentable. And he said, but you were kind to me and you were thoughtful for me and you encouraged me and you actually made me smile. You actually made me laugh and you made me feel human. You made me feel loved. You made me feel respected. You made me feel somebody wanted to hear from me. And I went home and I said, I can get through today. He said, I went through today and I went through a week and now it's been a month and I, I feel so much better. But your moment of me sitting in your chair and you're cutting my hair changed my life. I'm saying that to you. I want to share that with you because you just don't realize the impact you have. You just don't. That's for the pastor. That's for the preacher. That's for the speaker. That's for the doctor. Everybody has this influence. No, no. It's everyday people. It's the next door neighbor. It's the kid down the block. It's that kid that stopped by to help the elderly person and tell them, say, hey, I love you. I respect you. You need anything? And the elderly person goes, thank you for giving me hope that there is still going to be a future after me, that there is going to be a legacy of America. Every... Everybody needs hope. Everybody needs a sense of peace. We have it in Jesus. If you're here today and you, you say, I'm not a Christian. Uh, if I die today, I'm not sure where I would go. Uh, I'm not sure if I've ever given my life to Christ. Today's the day you find peace in your own heart. And that's by simply saying in your own words, in your own heart, to simply say, God, I realize I'm a sinner. 
God, I realize I don't know where I'm going. God, I do realize you died on the cross for me, and I do want to receive your payment for my sins, and I do want to go to heaven. Lord, I do want you in my life. I do want peace. I do want happiness. I do, I do want that, Lord. And here's what Jesus says. If you ask me to come in, I will come in. And then he says, and when I come in, not if, but when I come in, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. From that day forth, I'll never leave you forsake you. I will be your God and you'll be my people. So if you've never invited Jesus Christ in your life ever, you've been to going to church, you've listened to Christian TV, you've, you've read the Bible, but you have never asked Christ to come to your life, today's the day you ought to do that. Mark it down in your book. This is the day, November 22nd. My granddaughter, my baby granddaughter, 18 years old, yesterday, 22nd of November, 2020, the worst year ever, I found Jesus. That'd be a good, good time to mark that in your Bible. But if you're here and you're a Christian, and you say, Brother Danny, I've been a Christian for three years, five years, 15 years, 30 years, 70 years, and you're not letting God use you to influence the world and bring hope to the dying world and to bring peace to the dying world and be an encouragement to the dying world, then you're wrong and you're out of place and you're losing the significance in which God saved you for. Well, I'm not a witness and that's really the pastor's job and ministry. I'm, I don't feel comfortable talking to people. You don't have to get into a theological debate. You don't have to have all the Bible answers. People ask me all the time Bible questions and you know what I tell them? I don't know. I'll go look it up. I'll ask somebody. I don't know everything. They hit you with stuff that I had never heard of in 42 years with a doctor degree. I didn't know there was such a question like that. And I look at them and go, oh. You don't have to have all the answers. Here's what you got to know. But you got to know and believe what you know. Did you realize you were a sinner? Did you realize Jesus Christ died for you? Did you realize when Jesus Christ came in, he saved you and, forg and forgave you and he's never left you? Do you realize you're going to heaven because what he did for you, not what you do for him? Then you go share that. That's all you have to do is share what you do know. But I'm going to help you to make it easy. I'm going to ask you to take a coin or two. This is one of the oldest churches I have, so if you want to take two, I give you permission. Just promise you don't put it on eBay or try it in slot machines. I don't know if it works, all right? Just don't do it, okay? But I'm going to put this in your hand. I want to put you one or two in your hand because you know somebody in your family or you know somebody in your neighborhood or you know somebody in your school or you know somebody in your workplace that you say, hey, listen, I know what you're going through. I want to encourage you. I want your faith to increase. I want to give you this coin to help you remember that you can do it. If you'll trust God, put your faith in God, you can do it. You can do whatever you face. You can do it. You might be scared, you might be afraid, but you get your bat, you get up to play, you take your swings, it's your time. There's no guarantee you'll hit a home run, there's no guarantee you'll be the game hero, but you get your bat and you get up to play and you take your swings. If you don't take your swings, you'll never know. Well, I don't know if they would have received if I had reached out to them. No, you don't know. But get up to play, take a swing, reach out to them, say, hey, I, I thought about that, I found this came across this coin, I'd like to give it to you. Not just a coin, but take an extra devotional. You might have two seconds, 30 seconds, two minutes with them, five minutes with them, and they'll be gone. But if you can get them to take this book and try to encourage them to read it every day, it takes about three minutes. 
just a biblical thought of the day. It can set the off balance of life in order. The whole world's so negative. The whole world's so pessimistic. The whole world is hopeless. And you read just an inspirational word from God's word, and you go, wow, it all balances out. It's going to be okay. There's plenty of devotionals, and you're going to have plenty more because I just sent another box up here that I should have brought yesterday, but I think I put in the mail and sent it up here. So you'll have plenty. Take the coins, take the devotional, give them to people who need hope because this church, by the next time I come, which according to this pastor, the way he calls me probably about every five years, but anyway, but no, I'm just playing. I'm, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But, but I long for the day I'll walk in, there's not, there's not a chair available because the dying world wants the lighthouse. And for years, that's what Cedar Creek has been. Cedar Creek, this church has been a lighthouse, a, a beacon for a community. There's hope here. There's new life in Christ here, right? In this crisis, they can't come to you. They're scared to come to you. They're immobilized because they're trapped by fear. You have to go to them. You have to go to them. And you start building a relationship with them, and you give them some hope, and you give them some encouragement, and you put a coin in their hand, and you put a devotional in their hand. And I guarantee you this, in two weeks or six weeks or two months or two, six months down the road, when the church is fully open, they will start coming because they found hope. Amen? Amen? Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Let me close in a word of prayer. Father God, even now as I come to for you, representing your body, that you died for, that you paid for, that you redeemed. I bring them before you, Lord, to simply ask an anointing upon the word that you have given us today that would reside in their hearts, that would build their faith, that would encourage them, that would strengthen them, but also will motivate them, Lord, to take that word to the streets, to their neighborhoods, to their schools, and reach out to people who are so desperately in need of hope. There's hope in Jesus He's our only thing, Lord. He's our main thing. He's our everything, Lord. I pray that the community will begin to understand that hope is found in Jesus, and Jesus is available to them. I pray a blessing upon this church, Lord. I pray that you grab a hold of their heart. Not be content to come in with a few and sit around and hug each other, but with this burning desire to go out and try to talk to as many people as possible. Not theologically, Lord, just many people as possible is that, hey, I want you to be encouraged today. I want you to know there's hope. I want you to know people are praying for you. We, we got a church that's open to you. We want you to come. I pray that you'd bless them, Lord, and draw them to you as we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Uh, Pastor, I'll turn it back over to you. I don't know what we do at the closing. Uh, I'll be around until uh, pretty much everybody leaves. There's coins up here. Help yourself. Uh, there's other devotionals up here. Help yourself. But please, I'm begging you, get them out. This is not for you to keep as a keepsake for 30 years. This is for you to say, God, show me somebody in my life that needs this, okay? Thank you so much. Pastor? All right. Come on, come on down. Come on down. It's a new car. Price is right, you know. Now, anyway, all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Danny, and I pray, Father God, if for him and his ministry, you know, you use him um, just like you desire to use us all. I pray, Father God, that you continue to put that word in his mouth and 
his officers especially will be going through difficult times, the first responders he talks to, Father, and I pray, Lord, you give him the right word in due season, um, that when you speak to, that when uh, he, they come before him, that you would give him exactly what he needs to say at exactly the right moment, and you've done it before, Father God, but do it again, <laughs> because you are you just that good, and Father, we, we thank you for him, we thank you for their ministry, and we just ask that you continue to bless them and make them able to do what you have called them to do. And we thank you, Lord, and pray for everybody here and ask you to bless everybody, and we just trust you. We trust you with what we have put in, in uh, your hands, Lord. And we thank you, Father, and praise you, and in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right. Thank you, thank you. Plenty of coin. I, oh, I do have an announcement to make before we before we uh, close out here. So uh, we next next Sunday is the fifth Sunday of November, uh, and as you know, when we have a fifth Sunday, we have our abiding worship service. So we've got uh, we're going to have all music. We've got uh, uh, a guest coming, which is uh, really you know we call him a guest, but he's not really a guest. He's more like extended family. It's Julian Smith who has uh, led worship here in the past. He was leading worship when I came and. And he and his wife felt led to uh, go out and go elsewhere. And it's like, if God called you to that, go do it. But uh, they do come and we see them from time to time. And uh, he has agreed to come and lead with us. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I think that's I think that's all we have. Um, unless you all, n- nothing, nothing else? Okay, nothing else going on. All right, well, praise God. Bless you all. You're dismissed. And like Danny said, he's here. I'm here. We've got, our, uh, we've got people who pray to pray with you if you need it. And you're dismissed.